Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Anybody ready? Yes? For something, right? Come on, take your Bibles, book of Mark, chapter 5. I used to um, enjoy a joke Pastor Daniel taught me years ago. I don't know if he still does it. He tells people to go to the book of Hezekiah, which sounds really good, but it's not a book of the Bible. My, my sister got really irritated with me one day for doing that, so I try not to do that anymore. Yeah, Mark, Mark chapter 5 this evening. While you're turning there, I wanted to greet you, my, my sister and her husband Jeff and my mom all want to greet you all, ask me to do that and loves you all. Appreciate your prayers. My mom's uh, working diligently in Dillingham, which is another hub village in our region, and she's doing every Sunday afternoon a transformations class there. And she's had some amazing, amazing testimonies. Um, there was a lady a couple months ago that came um, <clears throat> that, you know, if you know my mom, she just talked to anybody on the street and get people saved. So it was raining. She talks to this lady as she's walking on her way to the meeting, invites her to come. And in the meeting, the lady gets saved, gets filled with the Spirit. And, um, you know, my mom prays and prays for that, that um, spirit of alcoholism to be broken off of her because she was an alcoholic. And it was about three weeks later, there was a big community meeting at the community hall in Dillingham. And um, <clears throat> the, I, the, the meeting was about the, the issue of drugs and alcohol within our communities. And that lady comes forward in the midst of this, this big meeting and shares that um, she came to the transformations and she got saved and she hadn't touched any alcohol ever since that day. It's, a, it's amazing. And it was, it's, it's amazing because there's so much that, that people have tried to do over the years and hasn't had uh, even close to the same uh, effect. So praise the Lord. So continue to pray for the work there, what's happening in Dillingham. And um, the same thing with in um, King Salmon and Naknik. The Mitchells are doing an amazing job. They bring in families. Like they bring in people with four or five kids and, you know, all the way from King Salmon, which is 10 12 miles, which might not seem long for you, but when everything is like a mile away, um, <laughs> 10 miles, I got to drive 20 minutes? Praise All right. Mark chapter 5, if you're there, why don't you stand up on your feet to honor the word? It's our custom to honor the word. Verse 21 this evening. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I want you to go to verse 35, please. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha, Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately, the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you and praise you for this time that you have ordained to speak into our lives, to impart something to us. I pray that your spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon us. Oh God, that we would grow in the knowledge of you tonight. Holy Ghost, come. Speak to us. I pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive from you. God, that it would receive your word and bear much fruit, Lord. I thank you. I pray, God, for an anointing upon myself tonight. God, to preach your word with power and clarity. Oh, Lord, that it would burn faith and vision in the hearts of your people. Father, we thank you for all that you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. So when I first came up here, I asked you a question. I said, are you ready? And I, I, I had a good response. What I was really is a- asking is, what are you expecting? That question, it, it's, what are you expecting? What do you expect? I think more often uh, we see something happen and people will say, well, what did you expect? But God began speaking to me, and, and I don't know how it works with you if you do a lot of preaching, but lately, it hasn't always been this way, but lately, um, I'll ask God what he wants to say to people, and he'll give me a title. And then I have to go find out what that means. And so in praying about what to preach on tonight, he said uh, the title was Expect Life. And what I believe he desires to do is to put something within his people where in our lives we are expecting life. Our expectations drives our decision-making. Did you know that? What happens if you expect it to rain? You're going to bring an umbrella, right? Anybody going to go to the state fair? Does it ever rain while you're there? Right? And there are vendors there that are expecting you to not bring your umbrella when it rains so that they can make some money off of you, right? There's expect, our expectations drive our decisions, and it also influences our reactions, right? The expectations that we've had, you know, have you ever expected something went to, um, don't judge me, okay? When, we first, when I first got into Anchorage yesterday, we went straight to Taco Bell. Now, 
that, that might not be a big deal to you, but we don't have Taco Bell or any fast food where we are. So, and I, I love Taco Bell, always have, so we, we stopped by there. And I was expecting something really good, and it, was, it wasn't. You ever had that where you're thinking about something, you're expecting it, and just doesn't amount to what you're expecting? You had an expectation. God wants to put expectation in us. He, he wants you to be expecting life. John, if you got your Bible, and I, I, I want to turn you to turn to all kinds of scriptures. Can I encourage you in something while you're turning to the book of John? So I started doing this. I've got a lot of Bibles. Anybody else got a lot of Bibles, right? And, and it's good. I got a Bible in my office, a couple in my office, a couple at my house, in my bedroom, downstairs, all over the place. And, but what, I, what happened is I realized I wasn't getting familiar with one Bible. That when I, I need to find this Bible, I've, I've made an effort to just only study out of this Bible. And then if I need to go somewhere, I know I can get there faster than you can look up something on your phone. Because I, I've, I've tested this. It's like Saul's armor that David couldn't wear. I've tested this, and I, I know where to go. I know how to fight with it. So I want to encourage you, those, you know, if you're using your cell phone, I, I, don't, I don't really think that that's, I, I think it's good if you're in a pinch and you didn't have your Bible with you. But if you're coming to church, I encourage you to bring your Bible and then take it with you when you leave. <laughs> John 10:10 10, 10. <clears throat> A familiar passage to some and it says hallelujah The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come hallelujah Sing here we go See if that helped it. I have come that you may have what? Life. One more time, that you may have life. And that you may have it more abundantly. Okay, if you didn't know, this is said by Jesus. Jesus came so that you would have life, abundant life. Okay, uh, Minister Barry mentioned this this morning, Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Jesus had made, has made available to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that in him is life. He is the way, the truth, and the, the life. And what happens when we get saved? We accept him into our heart and into our life. He, he bring, gives us that new life. I was talking to somebody recently. Um, they had gotten saved and was wondering, you know, I know that something you, you said that, that on the inside I'm made new and I'm completely different, but I don't feel that way. And I, I began to encourage them. They, in our spirit, when we get saved, everything's made new. But our mind has got to catch up to what's happened on the inside. And we've got a whole lot of experiences and things that have happened that, are, are, that we filter our lives through. And what, as we grow in God, that's why we, the Bible talks about the spirit, having the spirit of wisdom and revelation to grow in the knowledge of him because it's that growing in the knowledge of him that allows our mind to begin to line up with where our spirit is now as a new creation. And so God 
desires for us to expect life. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures, but before they do, do that, I want to give you an example of what that looks like. Minister Heidi, would you stand? Yes, I call her minister. Praise the Lord. I get to kiss a minister. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a wonderful church. You know, there's some churches that don't allow women to be ministers and pastors. How, how rude. Well, that's another message. But So when you're pregnant, what's another thing that people say, right? That you are expecting, right? And we are expecting life, right? And I'm thankful for my wife who's willing to persevere in this expecting of life to get to that watershed moment. You hearing me, son? That watershed moment when she receives a breakthrough. <laughs> and that which she'd carried, that which she'd only in her heart seen, she then is able to hold and experience. Thank you. You did a great job. Praise the Lord. And there's things that God wants to put in you to begin to be expecting about in your life, in your family. He wants to instill things within you so that when, you're, when you go to bed at night, that's what you're dreaming of. When you wake up in the morning, that's what you're praying for. The, that the things that begin to consume you, it's just so funny. My wife says that she has to eat for two, right? The things that consume you. But she has to make decisions that fuel that expectancy, that the life. She has to do those things that, that, that not, just, not just for her, but for what she's expecting to have come about. Now, I'm not talking about just being optimistic. I'm not talking about just having a Joel Osteen approach to life. I'm not saying anything bad about Joel Osteen, but man, that guy can smile like nobody's business. And I think, I think it's a great gift and it's people that he ministers to. But I'm not talking about just being optimistic. I'm talking about life. There's an expectancy that what comes out of you and what God's doing in you and through you, the result is life. Take a look at this text. A number of things we see here. Jesus crosses over, again, back to, if you lost your place, Mark chapter 5. Jesus and his disciples after crossing over to the other side, it says, verse 21, Jairus, and I'm going to paraphrase most of this just so we're on the same page. Jairus comes to him, um, says, my daughter is sick. She's dying. And she says, if you would come to her, believe that she would be healed. Come and pray for my daughter and she'll be healed. He had expectancy, right? Are you picking up on this, that, that he expected something, that if I could get Jesus to come into my home and lay hands on my daughter, she's going to be healed. If I could just get Jesus into my family, something's going to happen. She had, he had an expectancy. On the way over to his house, we come across the story of the woman of the, with the issue of blood. And, and what, a, what a, I mean, can you imagine 
I, I, it's amazing how it says in verse 26, not only should he, did she have a flow of blood for 12 years, but it says, verse 26, and had suffered many things from many physicians and spent all she had and no better, but rather grew worse. What a terrible situation. But I love what she's come to in this, that, that she's recognized, she's heard about Jesus and the miracles that he's done. And, and as the Bible says, all those that came to him were healed. But she knew and she said to herself, if only I could touch the edge of his garment, I'll be healed. I don't need him to stop. I don't need him to lay hands on me. All I need is if, if I could just. She had expectancy. that She needed that life within her, and she had an expectancy for it. Now, we skipped over a part, and I'll just quickly go over what happens. She puts her hand. She presses through the crowd, perseveres at that moment, lays her hands on the edge of his garment. She, she's instantly healed, as the Bible says. Very interesting that in this moment, Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus. Man, they're, they're pressed up against you. Who didn't touch you? There's people all over us. But what the others didn't have that she had was an expectancy. She needed a miracle, and she expected that if she just touched the edge of his garment, she would be healed. And so she's trembling. She goes, bows before his feet. You know, it was me. And... Um, she explains the healing. He responds, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Praise the Lord. But then what happens? Jairus' servants come. And he was too late. She's dead. You know, you don't, don't bother the teacher anymore. What we expected didn't happen. You know what? What can be difficult about expecting sometimes is it doesn't turn out like you thought it would. But did you know that that's okay? You know, there's scriptures in the Bible I don't necessarily love. Is that okay? Can I say that? Like the one that says, in this life you will have trouble. But Jesus, I want to be walking on streets of gold now. But the reality of it is that in this day, on, on this earth, in the time we have, that we live in an evil world. We live in a place where sin has, has created all kinds of things. That the, the wages of sin being death has, has had this effect upon our world and the people within it. But regardless, in spite of that, there is still can be an, there still can be an expectancy for life. Let me give you an example. Anybody know of Paul and Silas? So just, if you don't know, just real quickly, they got thrown into jail for preaching the gospel and laying hands on the sick and, you know, you know <laughs> the lame walking. It's amazing. But they get thrown into prison for it, you know, Roman prison, not like the prisons we have today, very terrible place. And then they something even more shocking than getting thrown into prison for that, they start praising God. But, and why? Have you ever thought about why that is? Because they, ha they have this expectancy. Look, they could have they been talking to God and been so discouraged. Because if you don't understand the backstory, God told them to go to that exact place. And do exactly what they did. Preach the word. Preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. 
cast out demons. Exactly what they did. God, we did what you said. Why would you let us be in here? Why would you allow this to happen? Or they could have looked at themselves. Well, we must not have been doing it right. Are you sure you cast that demon out right? You could have blamed each other. I know there's sin in your life. I know it was you. Just like Jonah should have cast you out in the first place. But instead, something happens. Instead of looking at the circumstance, instead of looking at their self, they began to look at him. They said, if he brought us here, if he called us to do this and allowed us to be in this place, then he's got something for us to do. And in the face of adversity, in the face of what they probably hadn't necessarily expected to happen. I mean, I think if it was me in that, and, you know, um, I came into a place like that in that time period, I think that they were believing for revival. That we're going to lay hands on the sick, they're going to get healed, we're going to cast out, look at this slave girl, we're going to cast the demon out of her. And that's what takes place. That's how come they end up in prison, because they cast this demon out of a slave girl. And I would have been expecting a revival. We're going we're to plant a church here. It's going to be amazing. I mean, they've already, they already had a church there, but expansion. Come on, it's KC. We need multiple churches in the cities, right? But that's not what happened. They get thrown in jail. But there was something inside of them. There was that expectancy of life. If God's in control and he called us to be here and he called us to do this, then he's doing something. I don't necessarily know all of it, but I do. But what I know is his character and the calling. And out of that, they begin to worshiping and they, and they begin to praise. And it said that the earth began to shake and the prison doors burst open. The jailer runs in and is about to kill himself because if he lost any prisoners, the Romans would do worse to him than just death. So he goes to kill himself and they cry out and they say, stop, none of us have left. All the prisoners are here. Don't don't kill yourself. And what could have been a moment of despair, oh God, why, why, woe is me, became an opportunity where the jailer then, after he realizes that the prisoners are all there, he takes them to his home, and the jailer gets saved, and his whole family gets saved. Because someone had an expectancy, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of what they didn't fully understand. And life happened. That newness of life in the jailer and his family who quite possibly they couldn't have reached them any other way. So I was in the middle of telling a story. You guys got me all rabbit trail. So Jairus' servants come. Your daughter's dead. Don't, don't, uh, don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus says, I love this. He turns he turns to the father who just lost his daughter. Don't be afraid. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Have faith. 
Imagine that moment. What is, what is happening? You see, Jesus understood that in that moment, the Father has the opportunity to either let go of faith. And Jesus speaks a word to stir up that expectancy. That expectancy when he came to Jesus in the first place in verse 23, begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she will live, was his statement. So now Jesus encourages him in the face of loss. So it continues on. Gets to the house and they hear the ruckus, people wailing and crying. And it's an emotional moment. It says that he told the multitude to stay. He brought his disciples with him. Goes to the house. Kicks everybody out. Except for the father and the mother. And those who came with him, which were the disciples. I mean, they're there. When he first got there and explained, hey, I don't you know, why are you guys weeping? She's, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. So then they ridiculed him. So he kicked him out. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you can't have people that, that don't have faith speaking into your life. He kicked them out because they didn't, he, he wanted people of faith. And that, that, that is so important in our own lives. Sometimes we allow... Foolish people, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to just, since I'm not talking about anybody in particular, if you apply it to somebody, that's on you. I'm just saying, if you're allowing people that will speak these things into your life and can, instead of, instead of increasing your faith, it'll release fear. But moving forward, he kicks everybody out and goes in and speaks to the little girl and grabs her hand and she's healed, 12 years old. My daughter, my oldest daughter is 10, going to be 11 this year. I couldn't imagine this moment. I, I, I couldn't imagine. There's something about having an expectancy. That whatever is happening, whatever is going on, whatever the circumstance, God's going to work this out. It's that expecting of life. Can I be transparent? <clears throat> Many of you know my dad went to heaven and the end of March. And I'll never forget that phone call. It was the middle of the night. I was still awake for some reason. It's just what I do. Um, I, I like to be up late. And I get a phone call from, from Kathy. And um, it says, she said, the EMTs are here and they're doing chest compressions. And, you know, I wasn't, I was full of faith. And then I went and me and, you know, woke up Heidi and we prayed and, we're binding the spirit of death and believing for God to touch him and heal him, claiming long life. But it didn't happen. What do you do when you've expressed your faith and you've done all the things that you know to do and you declare in faith God's going to do this, and you're praying, you're praying in tongues the whole time. How do you react? It depends on what you've put in yourself. 
and I, I will tell you, I'll be transparent, I'll tell you, I was tempted and, and, and had been many times since then to go, why, God? My dad was 65, pretty young, pretty young. Why? But you know what? It's not going to do me any good to know why. Look, what you do in those situations is based on what you know. And all I knew, I didn't know why. why. Why what? Why what? Why he died? Why my prayers, the ones I were, was praying, wasn't answered? My wife is a great prayer warrior. I believe that when she prays, God does. I see it all the time. My wife was praying. It didn't happen. We declared. We didn't see. But what I did know, see, I didn't know why, 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 why. Why? All these things. But you know what? I knew that God is good. And he's got good things for me. That we all have an expected end. That we're all going to die someday. And I knew that my dad loved the Lord and was saved. And, I, and people ask me, well, I'm sorry you lost your dad. And I'm like, I don't feel like I lost anything. He's just moved to a different area code. Really, I, I can't explain it any anymore. That's just how it is for me. Like that, I don't have that feeling that I lost something, that he's there. It's just going to be a little bit longer till I see him. And maybe for him, it's just going to be a moment. I don't know. We don't know that how time works up there. But if you don't have an expectancy of life, those moments can be very difficult. And you can't get prepared for something right when it happens. you got to prepare for it before things happen. That's why when you come here, you hear a lot of the same things. Can I tell you what they are? Get saved. Live right. Study the word. Pray. Go to church. Be filled with the spirit. And you know what? You come Sunday morning. If you listen, you hear those things. Sunday night, you hear those things. Midweek, you, you come to Bible studies. You, why? Because those are the foundational aspects of the Christian life that release faith and vision and the expectancy of life within you. When you begin to grow in the knowledge of him and you begin to grow in faith. So a couple months before my father graduated, I preached a word from one of the great psalms. Anybody, I, and this is one, you know, when the sun is shining and you're in your living room and you've got a great cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Right? Don't you love those moments? But I found that in those moments when questions would come up, when things didn't pan out the way I thought I would, that that started coming up. Do you know why? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The first part is a fact. It can't change you, right? This is the day the Lord has made. The second part is a choice. The first part's a fact. The second part is a decision. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. But unless you've done the things to build an expectancy for life, then expecting your, unless you're expecting life, 
you, you can easily have a difficult time in those moments. Um, I, and I got a couple points. I don't want to keep us much longer. I'll share one more thing. And I know it's Sunday night and there's kids here, so I'll be vague. And you guys can nod. Older people can nod at me if you're getting what I'm saying. <laughs> one of the sad, sad things that we see happen off and on, and it's terrible, is when uh, believers... Um, not just believers, but um, particularly I'm going to pick on believers and even pastors and, and evangelists and people in ministry um, in their life. Okay, you know, understand what I'm saying? It's so, so sad. And I often I just, it, it, it's very, I mean, I, I have to pray. It's a terrible thing because something was happening. Behind the scenes, in their heart, in, in the story, there's something that was happening where no longer was their life being cultivated. There were things going on where instead of life being cultivated within them and then they, they lost an expectancy for life, there was, there was death. And the, the Bible says that the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Right, that he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour, and he looks for every inn and every opening and every foothold, so that he began to whisper, and he begins, and he, and he's able to to scheme, and he's able to deceive. So we get to the point where we're no longer believing what God wants us to believe, and we're no longer expecting life, and we begin to expect destruction, and we begin to expect negative things. <clears throat> There's the um, some people who call themselves, how do I share this? In our community, there's people, they don't go to my church. I don't know what church they go to. They say they go to church. I've witnessed to them. They say they love Jesus, but they don't go, I don't know where they go to church. But they say this. If you talk to them about this, I mean, any amount of time, this is something like this will come out. They'll say, what's a good example? Um, you know, I'm hoping for this to happen. But more than likely, this is going to happen. I, 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 we were sitting in the restaurant across from them. It's twin brothers, and they're arguing with each other. I might have said too much. If someone in Bristol Bay is watching, don't, you know, not talk, don't talk about what I'm talking about. Okay. There's not a lot of twins down there, if you don't understand what I'm saying. They were arguing... They're sitting there in the restaurant, and they're arguing over whose life is worse. Oh, no, no, no. I went to the doctor, and they told me I had this. Yeah? Well, I've got this and this. And my truck doesn't run. My truck caught on, but they're one-upping each other on whose life is worse. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know if you guys are saved. See, because this is not the expectancy that God has intended for us to have where we're looking for what God is doing and the good that he's happening, expecting him to work mightily within our lives. So God's speaking to us a number of things. I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible, Hebrews 11. Oh, Hebrews 11. If you need encouragement, just go to, this is what Hebrews 11 is for. But he, in verse 13, it says, after listing all these heroes of the faith, in verse 13, he says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having 
seen them were afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Verse 15, and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. So the Bible is saying that these, these heroes of the Old Testament of faith, and, and faith, the heroes of faith in the Old Testament, they had this expectancy. I, I love it says that they saw afar off. They had this hope vision, this vision, this expectancy of life, like Abraham, who God spoke to and said that you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars and the sand on the seashore. Had one child. But he saw it from afar off. And he moved forward in that. And then you come to this place where then God says to Abraham, you know, your one son that was prophesied to you, the beginnings of the fulfillment of the promise I gave you, yeah, I want you to kill him. Come again, right? And it can be kind of confusing, especially if you think about the culture of the time. Many of the pagan gods were worshipped by child sacrifice. Even the, some of the kings that, uh, of Israel, after um, many of them turned away from God, even sacrificed their own children. It's crazy. Yet Abraham began to go along with this. And I'm not going to tell this whole story because I've already gone longer than I wanted to. But he moved forward in it all the way to the point where his son was on the altar and he had the knife. But the Bible says that he knew that if his son were to die, God was going to do something, was going to raise him to life. God was going to do something. That God was going to, he had this expectancy. How did he have that? Because of what he knew of God and what God had said he would do and who he was to God. He knew those things deep within his knower, right? It's not here. Did you know that? It's here. The knower is here. What you really know, you can think a lot of things. You can say a lot of things, but what you know directs the decisions you make and how you live your life. Just prior to this in Hebrews 11, I love the statement about Sarah, even though she laughed about what God said. It says, verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. There was an expectancy based on the character of God. So three points and then I'll be done. Number one. You have to think life. Think life. What happened when Jesus comes into Jairus' home? And they laughed at him. The statement he made. Now she's sleeping. Right? Heckling him. If you look in, I think it's John 11, the story of Lazarus. You know what's amazing? He gets there. And you know what the people say? They say, if only he had come when Lazarus was still alive, he could have healed him. They had an expectancy. But it wasn't on the right aspect. 
See, they, they had an expectancy of Jesus the healer, but not Jesus the restorer. See, because we have to grow in our knowledge of him so that we go from Jesus, our, our savior, our provider, our restorer, our, you know, and we grow in the knowledge of him. You know, one of the reasons I'm so excited about heaven, I used to be kind of, I don't want to say discouraged, but I thought it was going to be boring because I thought that when we got, got there, um, we would know everything. And I love to learn and I love to have revelation. I love when God reveals things to me. But I believe that when we go to heaven, we're going to spend eternity with God revealing more of himself to us, that he's so infinite that it's going to take eternity to be able to fully see all of who he is. But while we're here now, if we're going to have that expectancy for life, we've got to grow in our revelation, our knowledge of him. That's why, again, the Bible says for us to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can grow in that knowledge. How do we do that? We renew our mind just real quickly. Have your mind renewed. Have your mind renewed. Have that, that, and renewing, if you look up the definition of renewing, it's restoring life. And the first definition is restarting what was interrupted. And the first thing I went to was the Garden of Eden what God intended for us to be, which was interrupted by the entrance of sin into the world and how when Jesus came back as the restorer, he restored that relationship with God and he restored the promises given to Adam and what was interrupted is now restarted as we begin to grow in the knowledge of him and as we study his word. So when you're getting into the word, it's renewing, it's restarting what God began in you. So part of thinking life, renewing your mind, getting those things, getting people tell you, and Pastor Daniel says this all the time, that you go to church, you're getting, getting brainwashed. And he says, good. I say it too, good. You need a good brainwashing. All the things that happened today. We don't, I'll just, I'll share, we don't watch satellite or cable at our house, not because of the shows, but because of the commercials, to be honest. They're worse than the shows. They just... All of a sudden, some weird things come on Saturday morning while the kids are watching cartoons. I ain't having that. So, again, back to this. And begin to have that renewing of your mind, being in the Word, being in, in prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is communion with God. Not just communication. It's that real heart-to-heart, face-to-face that's why it says go into your secret place and your Father who's in heaven who will meet, meet with you there. Why is that? Why do you need that? Oh, it's easy. I've got a friend um, who I knew from, from Igigek way back. She married a guy from down south, right? I think, I want to say Louisiana, somewhere in that area. And you know what? Some things she says with a southern accent. But she grew up in Bristol Bay. How does that happen? Because of relationship. Because when you spend time with someone, you become like them. You start to think like them and talk like them and act like them. And you don't have to, I don't have to ask my wife if she wants me to get her something to eat. I know she does. Because of relationship. Second, I got to hurry up. So we think life. And then speak life. Your mouth is this amazing 
tool for either death or life. The Bible says life and death. The power of life and death are in the tongue. Yeah. The image that's given in another section of Scripture is that it's like a rudder that turns a boat. What we say affects how we live our lives. And what you say, as the Bible says, comes from what you know. It says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, again, you've got to start with thinking life, thinking differently, renewing your mind so that, what's that what you're allowing then into your heart becomes to come out of your mouth, and what comes out of your mouth begins to direct how you live your life, begins to direct what happens. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, I know that there's this um, people preaching, um, they call it name it, claim it, right? You know, um, I want a Porsche, and I'm going to have it, in Jesus' name, and they just begin to claim these things. Well, I've found that a lot of times people that ask for stuff like that, they can't handle that. You, if you had a Porsche, you probably couldn't handle the insurance on a Porsche. I'm, I, this is what I'm saying. The, we can do the name it, claim it thing, but he's got to name it, then we claim it. When he names it, you claim it. What happened with the children of Israel? God said, I'm going to give you this land, the promised land, the land I'm promising you. What he promises you can have, you can have. Can I hear an amen? What he says you can have, you can have. If you've got, if you've got kids and you give something to your kids and then every five minutes they're going to ask you, can I have this? Can I have it? I gave it to you. You have it. Okay? Quit annoying me or I'll take it away. He's being real. You come back to me with that again, I'm going to play with it now. But what God says you can have, you can have it, but you've got to go get it. That, that comes to my last point. I'm not there yet. But you begin to speak that out. What he says I can have, I can have. If you're a tither, we'll make it real easy because we believe in tithing and giving in this church. And then what does it says in the book of Malachi, chapter 3? Y'all probably got, know, got it memorized now, right? That... When we tithe, that he's going to what? Throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing upon you, you would not have room enough for it. And we begin to speak these things out. What is the word for our church for the year? That we are blessed and that we will multiply. We don't just say it because it sounds good or it makes us feel good or so we can stay optimistic and, and make it through the day. We say it because we believe it's what God has spoken to us. That, that we've seen it from the word and the promises and we begin to speak it out so that not only does he know it, but we know it and we're beginning to move forward in that because what we speak is how we walk out our lives. And lastly, I kind of hit on it already. We think life, speak life, but you got to live life. What I mean by that is do what he says to do. He encourages us to not just be hearers of the word, but be doers. He says those who hear the word but don't do it are like someone who looked at themselves in a mirror and walked away and forgot what they looked like. Why? Because we find who we are in who he is. We, be find, we, we find what we're called to do in his word and what he's spoken to us. So we have got to not only read it, no, begin to know it and speak it, but there must be a walking out, a walking out of that word and a, a, a step of faith. I'll share one more story. 
Peter, I like to call him Crazy Pete, because he did wild stuff. And we're all familiar, I'm sure, with the story of him walking on water. But can you imagine? He sees Jesus out on the water. Jesus, is that, if that's you, call me out on the water. Jesus says, come. And that's all that Peter needed. He had a word from the Lord now. And I want to tell you the heart behind Peter's question. Back to expectancy. He was the disciple of Jesus. What does a disciple do? A disciple watches what the master's doing and does it. And he sees Jesus and he says, if Jesus is out there, I want to be out there. If that's what Jesus is doing, I want to do that. I am one of his disciples. That means what he's doing, I can do. There's an expectancy that what he's doing, I can be a part of, I can participate in, I can get out there and I can do what he's saying to do. But then what happened? As he's walking on the water, he begins to look at the the bills. He begins to look at the circumstances, right? The storm. The wind and the waves, and he gets that sinking feeling. Anybody ever had that sinking feeling? And that's why the Bible says for us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Heidi, would you come? I know y'all are jealous. I got a worship leader plays wherever I need her to be pregnant she'll still do it praise God can I tell you something I'll share be transparent real quickly and then I'll be done you might say pastor well that's all good for you you're probably an optimist you know not really I, I actually I think it's the way that God has wired me in my mind I look at I, I think scenarios all day all day And as a child, I used to be terrified. I would lay in my bed terrified for hours thinking about what could happen to me, mostly to my family. I'm not an optimist. I I still deal with that today where the, the enemy will come or, you know, and it might not be the enemy, just my mind working. What if this happened? What are you gonna do? You're powerless, right? A reality that we have someone falls through the ice there's not a lot that you can do and I would really as a child I would lay in bed terrified and at an early age I had to get settled within me that God is good that he's in control that he's working in my life because if I didn't have that I don't know what I would do And he's done this amazing thing by sending his son to die for our sins. That even when we're faced with the worst thing that can happen to us, death, it turns into this, can you imagine this amazing moment? Where we move from here to wake up in heaven. 
You know, that's what happened for my dad. He was asleep. He was probably laying there dreaming about heaven, and then it just got realer and realer. And God has taken what should give us fear, right? What the world and the enemy says, be afraid, and made it. I ain't worried about dying. We're not losing anything. We go in from from in time to eternity. I wish, you know, I wish we had more time. In the eternity, it's not going to make a difference. I wonder how we're going to look at all this from there. What were you worried about? So what that means, though, is that right now, and Minister Barry mentioned it this morning, the way we live right now is the important thing. Trusting in God. Living right. I'll say it again. Live right. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. Go to church. We've got KCs all over the world. You can go to church somewhere. Go to church. Do those things that you need to do so when you're faced with problems and when you've got adversity and giants and whatever, you're ready. So I want to do this real quickly this evening. Head bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment. Maybe you don't aren't expecting any life. You got no hope tonight. I want to tell you that you can be right with God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Then when we accept sacrifice that Jesus made upon the cross and claim him as our Lord and Savior. Believe in our heart and confess it with our mouth that we get transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That where there was no hope, now there's hope birthed within us. So I want to give you an opportunity this evening. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life. I'm going to count to three and I want you to lift your hand if that's you. Secondly, maybe you have, but you're away from God tonight. You've backslidden, fallen away, whatever you want to call it. You're away from God, and you know it. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to lift your hand. So if that's you, you fall into either of those categories. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Well, whether you lifted your hand or not this evening, I want to, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to die for my sins. And that he rose from the grave for me. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me.
Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Real quickly, before I turn the service over to Pastor Karen, I want to pray for you. Maybe you've gone through something that's kind of, you feel like it's taken your expectancy. You started to expect the worst. God wants to put that hope in you. If everybody just stand up on your feet just for a moment. I want to pray for you. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your wonderful people. Oh, Lord, your word says that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But you have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I bind the foul work of the enemy that has come to steal their hope, that has come to steal that expectancy and that faith. I bind it now. Whatever hurt they've gone to, if they're grieving, whatever wound, that you would heal it right now. Come on, let them heal you. Open it up. Let them heal you. God, heal them. Touch their hearts. Be healed in Jesus' name. Now I pray, God, for a release of the gift of faith. Your gift of faith begin to fill them, I pray. Holy Spirit, fill them. That they would be filled with faith and fresh vision. God, that they would grow in the knowledge of you. God, if you've never been filled with the Spirit, just ask Him to fill you with the evidence of speaking in tongues right where you're at. Just ask him to fill you. Holy Spirit, fill fill, fill your people. Be filled with the Holy Ghost right now. I thank you. I pray for dreams and visions. I pray, God, that they would begin to see signs and wonders. Lord, they would begin to explode hope and expectancy within them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Quick story. Just, I know I, I know, I told a lot of stories, and I shared this a little bit before, but I think that sometimes we don't believe for things God wants us to believe for. My son, Jonathan, he prays crazy things. All the kids in church, they come and line up for prayer, and they've got specific prayers they want to see happen. And he said, I think, I shared it here before, but I don't know if everybody heard it. My son, Jonathan, who was, I think, five at the time, was praying for a hawk. In the altar, he comes up for prayer every Sunday, every time there was an opportunity. How do you pray for that, right? I didn't have the faith for that. So I get a call from my wife. No, she checks me a picture through our basement window under our deck of a hawk looking in the window. What are you not praying for? God wants to do 
crazy things for you that only matter to you. What in all of eternity matters? My son having a hawk to look at. So I want to encourage you. Begin to expect things. The world says, don't get your hopes up. God says, get your hopes up. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.